you are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, a podcast where I interview authors of mystery, thriller, and suspense books. I'm your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 186. This is a special episode. It's a personal one for me. It's dedicated to a friend and best-selling author, John Hindmarsh. John passed away on Sunday, May 29th. In December of 2016, he was diagnosed with leukemia. John was a fighter. He gave leukemia hell for more than five years. And during that time, between chemo treatments and a myriad of health problems that come along battling cancer, he wrote and published 11 novels. His latest series was a best-selling Jack Foster space opera novels. And he published four books in that series over the past six months. And that series uh, took off like a rocket, pun intended, since it's sci-fi uh, space opera. Uh, those uh, four books have uh, close to 9,000 Amazon ratings with an average of 4.5, uh, which is just amazing. And it's been a big thrill to watch John's books take off like that. Uh, I met John uh, about eight years ago or so at a local meetup for uh, indie authors that I host here in San Francisco, in the San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, John attended that here in the, in the city. And uh, we quickly became friends. He was originally from Australia, and he had that Aussie uh, Brit sense of humor and had such a passion for writing. Uh, he told me that he was certain that the writing helped him successfully battle leukemia for years. Uh, and when an oncologist had originally told him that he was looking around three months to live. So um, obviously that doctor didn't know uh, John very well. <laughs> Uh, John and his lovely wife, Kathy, moved to Southern California a couple of years ago to be closer to family, and then the pandemic hit. So I haven't been able to see him uh, in, a, in a few years uh, in person, face-to-face, um, but because of the pandemic, our meetup moved virtually onto Zoom for the last couple of years, and uh, John always uh, Zoomed in, once he even Zoomed in from his hospital bed. Uh, that dude was one tough Aussie, I tell you that. Um, but um, I was happy uh, also that a couple of weeks ago, now, even though he was dealing with a stronger chemo regimen and was uh, while battling also a very painful bout of shingles, uh, he still showed up for our Zoom uh, for our monthly meetup. Uh, he talked about his runaway best-selling uh, Jack Foster series, the two books he was planning to write, and he had a big smile on his face. Um, so just that was a very inspirational uh, guy. And I was certain he was going to be able to finish those two books, but unfortunately... Uh, he passed away. But I'm fortunate enough to have uh, met him, and I'm honored to uh, call him my friend. And John not only wrote uh, space opera, sci-fi type books, he also uh, wrote a whole bunch of different genres, uh, including speculative fiction, and he also wrote thrillers. He had a popular techno-thriller series uh, called the uh, Mark Midway books, the Mark Midway series. And in 2017, I had the pleasure of interviewing John for my podcast. I've interviewed many authors, uh, close to 200 now, um, but the very few that were uh, that I've known in real life and have been friends. So it's a lot of fun to interview John uh, for my podcast uh, since we uh, knew each other uh, well. Um, but anyway, I wanted to share that interview here uh, with you, uh, with everyone today. Um, so it is a replay, obviously, back from 2017, but um, it, it was a lot of fun. So I'm uh, honored to... Uh, show that to you, to replay it to you uh, for this episode of the podcast. And I also wanted to share a link uh, to a donation page for the American Cancer Society. If you go to thrillingweeds.com forward slash donate, that link will take you to their website. Uh, your donation to the American Cancer Society helps to fund cancer research, education, advocacy, and as well as patient and family services. So it's a great cause. All right, here is my interview with my friend, John Heinmarsh. Hi, everybody. This is Alan Peterson with Meet the Thriller Author. And for this episode, I have uh, John uh, Heinmarsh uh, on the line on Skype. And he writes uh, thrillers. He also writes science fiction books. So we'll talk about that too. But we're gonna, of course, we're going to focus on his thrillers. And uh, John, how are you doing? I'm enjoying 
a view of blue sky and snow at the moment. Oh, nice. Yeah, not up in the mountains, right? Yep, yep, Lake Tahoe. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was just thinking that you're the third person that I'm interviewing for the podcast that I've actually met in real life. <laughs> oh, yeah. right. Yeah, so that's kind of an interesting little yeah. uh, side note I was just thinking about. Uh, for the listeners, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your books? Sure. I'm Australian. The accent uh, is slightly blurred because uh, I've traveled and lived and worked in a number of countries from New Zealand to the UK to um, Turkey to Singapore to Thailand to you name it. I've been there sort of thing. Um, I think I've worked in about 12 or 14 countries. Um, so that has an obvious influence on my writing because I've got memories of different places that I can draw on to uh, to put into my stories. Yeah, see, that should be really cool too because uh, most people rely on Google Maps and uh, you can uh, you can go from memory of all those places you've been to. <laughs> <laughs> well, it helps add a little bit of color. I still use Google Maps. Uh, it's a good way to uh, to localize yourself because you can uh, you can see you. You know, you can see the buildings and so forth, and that's a good refresher. Yeah, that is amazing. I could just look at the, like, you know, the street or how traffic is at a certain area. I, I love Google Maps and the YouTube videos <laughs> of yep. that. Yep. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your thriller series, the the, uh, the Mark Midway series? Yeah, I uh, created this guy who uh, I call Mark Midway, and I got very creative about the titles of the books, and that's why they're called Mark 1, Mark 2, Mark 3, Mark 4. <laughs> And I'm about to start on Mark V. Um, he's genetically engineered, but he doesn't know by whom or where or when or who his parents are or anything like that. And part of his um, motivation uh, is to both find out his history, uh, but also to um, have a family life because he never had that. So that that's the background of, of the personality the genetic engineering just increases his reflexes probably his intelligence level but not to any uh, any marked degree um, they're light thrillers as opposed to dark or noir thrillers and I use a bit of science I use a bit of banking I worked in banking as an IT consultant so I bring a little bit of that into uh, you know to flavor the books I sometimes get the FBI stuff wrong because I haven't worked for the FBI, but <laughs> readers tell me about that. <laughs> oh, so that's good. So you, you get feedback from the readers. You can uh, make changes if necessary. <laughs> yep, yep. I get uh, I get feedback. Uh, and is uh, Mark Bidway, is he like uh, is he American or British or Australian? Oh uh, well, because of his genetic engineering, we're not really sure. But oh, cool. he originated. He originated somewhere in a lab in uh, Eastern Europe, and the first book starts with him being taken as a child from a location where he was being looked after by a housekeeper and a drunk alcoholic tutor, and uh, the person who picks him up uh, assassinates both of those and takes this young child to... Uh, central station in amsterdam and hands him over to a lady who takes him to america so that, that's the sort of prologue to mark one and uh, the story picks up though when he's a young adult so uh, it just gives a f bit of mystery around his origin mm -hmm. that, sounds, that sounds really awesome and is is each book i mean it's part of a series but are they each like the each adventure is a standalone story it's difficult to sort of put 
in the fourth book everything that's happened before. So they have to be standalone to a large extent. There's, it's very difficult to, with a series that's going to end up with being, you know, five or six or seven books, to have them not as standalones. There's a little bit of the history that's relevant, but generally you can pick it up and read it, I think. You know, version four, you don't need to have read version one or, or the first book in the series, but it would help because it's got a little bit of that background and so forth. And I see you also write, as I look at your website, you also write the science fiction books as well. Is there a, is there a big difference between writing a science fiction and a thriller? Well, I, uh, it's a cliched comment, but I claim there's sci- science in my thrillers and thrills in my science fiction. Oh, that's, uh, a, that's a good tag. You should use it as a tagline. <laughs> I like that. Well, the science fiction is very different, and I'm about to look at future science fiction stories. I've just finished a trilogy, the third book of a trilogy. It's gone off to the editor. And so I'll be looking at new books, new science fiction books, and uh, they'll have no relationship. You know, one's an apocalyptic story. uh, One's an AI, artificial intelligence story. Another one I'm trying to uh, develop that, uh, you know, takes a scout, a space opera stuff you know takes a guy in a scout ship and wrecks him and so on and so on so it's all adventure um with touch of thrills and suspense that's that's the only link back to the thrillers the the thrill the thrillers and the science fiction are very different that's not my dog barking no sorry that's mine Uh, i'm gonna go to throw throw something at it right now Were you a fan of uh, of of, the, of these genres uh, as a reader before you started writing in them? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, in in both areas, I've read. You know, I started reading science fiction as a child and tried to write one when I was about twelve, thirteen years old. Um, and on the thriller side, it was more adventure stories, I suppose. But certainly, the Sherlock Holmes and the the Saint stories by Leslie Charteris and then British writers like Len Dayton, who did the Ipcrest file, and in Edgar Wallace, I suppose, you know, going back to those British uh, sources, and then modern British writers like Lee Child and Mark Dawson. Uh, so, you know, there's a, on the thriller side, you know, I can sort of draw a spectrum from way back to now mm. uh, in terms of the books that uh, I enjoy and they perhaps influence some of my writing. And how long have you been writing for? Serious writing. Uh, I started 2011, 2012, so not that long. There's a story about my first book that I'll, uh, I'll give you. It's a science fiction story. I wrote it in the mid-1980s and for some reason put it in a box uh, typed it, put it in a box and put it away and uh, a few years ago my wife and I, uh, Kathy's American, were talking about moving everything I had in Australia to the US and I was in the garage packing and came across this box and sat down and read the book because it was far more interesting than ba- than packing <laughs> and I thought to myself there's a story in this and that became the first book of the trilogy. That's Broken Glass on the science fiction side, uh, which I self-published and released 
uh, what about 2012. Oh, so that's cool. So they actually sat in the garage for a while and then... Uh, for years, oh. yeah, for, for 30 years. <laughs> oh, wow, that's incredible. Wow, that's pretty, pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it needed a lot of work going to it. <laughs> yeah, well, but, you, you, but you, like you said, you read it and you said, hey, there's something here, so... Uh, yeah. 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 And, you know, I, I had three editors work on it with me. Uh, so, you know, my objective always is to try to get a professional finish to, uh, to my stories. And mm -hmm. uh, um, it's sometimes difficult to find the right editor. I think I've got the right one now. Um, she's doing a good job for me. So uh, it, improves, it improves that finished quality. Yeah, that's always a challenge for uh, going the independent route, finding the right editor and cover designers and all that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, your covers are really amazing. I was just looking at them all here on your website. Uh, it's the I've, I've told you that before. I really like your covers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I set out. Um, I'd had covers designed by you know a designer here and a designer there, and I thought there's no branding, there's no theme, there's no sort of thematic uh, presence. Uh, on either the science fiction side or the thriller side. And uh, I, on the science fiction side, I found a guy who did some very nice uh, work, and I asked him if he was prepared to do covers for me, and he said yes. And he's done the three covers for the trilogy and uh, a box set cover. And on the thriller side, um, using Mark Dawson again, I uh, found his cover designer because his covers look very, very good as thrillers. And I found his cover designer and uh, he produced uh, four covers for me, which uh, a tremendous branding. You know, you can look at each book and you recognize that A is a thriller, but B is a part of a series. It, it works. You know, there's a, there's a product there. And that's one of the objective, objectives of writing is to build that uh, product identification yeah exactly yeah you look at them you know exactly that uh, that it's your that it's your work that's your product so yeah it's a real nice job and uh, when you're writing your stories uh, or when you're getting ideas for your stories especially like you know you have this genetically altered uh, uh, person here how do do you get ideas like um, is it you said from your own experiences in banking so it's for like your real life and then like the news or how does that how does a spark start for you when you when you start writing <laughs> well some of the color some of the background i get from you know experience having worked in different countries and so forth but the, the ideas can come from anywhere you know i i keep some files in uh, uh What's the product called? It's one of these note-keeping products that I Oh, Evernote? Use. Yeah. Yeah, I love yeah. Evernote. <laughs> yeah. And so I've got – these are just the titles, Super Recognizers, Maritime Stuff, DARPA, the Double-Edged Sword at the Center of the U.S. Military, Transcranial Direct Current Stimulation, <laughs> <laughs> Hackers Remotely Kill a Jeep on the Highway, Killer Robots, Turing Test, Robotics and the lessons of cyber law. So you know, I gather this material, and as a part of the research, and uh, I then you know utilize some of it, or it sits there and does nothing. Um, but the the super recognizer is a topic that I want to use in uh, an offshoot offshoot thriller of of the Mark uh, Midway series. Super recognizers can look at 
an ear or a part of the cheek of a, in an image and recognize who that person is. And that's a tremendous talent. I mean, I suffer from the opposite. I, <laughs> I can't recognize people. <laughs> so that's a, real, that's a real thing? People really have that? That's yeah. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, acknowledged psychologically. There's been a lot of press last year. It was used in, uh, in the UK. Uh, it is used in the UK by the, uh, the police there. Uh, they have two or three or five uh, people on the force in London who uh, have this ability, and they can look at riots and you know violent protests and pick up enough of a face, even though the face might be masked, to know who that person is. Oh, that's and, fascinating. Uh, <laughs> it's it's going to be one of my uh, one of my thrillers. Uh, the Mark V one, though, is going to be the maritime stuff. Mm -hmm. um, companies like uh, Rolls-Royce Engineering are developing uh, automated uh, freighters and tankers. Uh, they can be unmanned and controlled from shore. So it cuts down on the expenses because they don't have to have a crew and so forth. But those vessels would, is, would be subject to piracy and uh, uh, I want to uh, utilize that with uh, one of the characters in the Mark Midway series going off to rescue a, a tanker and then Mark Midway having to go and rescue him. Oh, okay. So, so, so you're kind of like spinning off characters from, from the Mark series into their own stories? or is, is the... Well, it will, be, it will be a Mark story, but um, I've friend of mine is my personal trainer and he tortures me so in mark three i created him as an fbi uh, agent and had him tortured in the story <laughs> your revenge <laughs> my revenge and uh, he's still torturing me so uh, i've got to bring him back into uh, one of the midway stories and torture him again and mark comes to the rescue <laughs> So does your trainer know that uh, he's part of that? Board? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Is he got a kick out of that? <laughs> yep, yep. It's <laughs> oh, funny. And do you see? Do you put any, Do you see any of your personality make it into Mark Midway or any of your other characters, or or, or just your trainer? <laughs> <laughs> I think just my trainer. I <laughs> I had to take revenge on him. I I don't use. You know, sometimes I see someone and think, oh, that would make a good character description. But I tend not to describe characters too much because I think readers build their own images of characters in books. And I don't think you need to spend time saying that, you know, a woman's got blonde hair down to her shoulders and, you know, ruby lips. People will put that into place, I'm sure. Um, so I don't spend time there. I focus more on the dialogue and the tension and the thrill so that the, there's a compulsion, hopefully, that keeps the reader turning the pages. How do you write? Do you, like, um, do you like outline and plot a lot beforehand or are you like pantser? Oh, if only I could plot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the characters keep taking over. Now, historically what I've done is started with an idea, get an idea of uh, – add an idea of the ending and then just dive in that that's undisciplined and cuts down productivity i think so i'm going to try being far more disciplined about the plot outline because i want to use um 
a software tool called Dragon to dictate um, to my computer uh, or dictate into a uh, tape machine and have the computer transcribe it. And that increases productivity. It's got the potential to double productivity. And, and that's, I think, important from a, a writing perspective. How many books do you have now, out now in total? With the one that I've just uh, sent off to the editor, that'll be the eighth book. Wow. And, I've, and I've got a collection of short stories that I make available to readers via my website. I don't sell that collection. It's a it's something for the readers that they can get for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, okay. Is that on your website? Yeah. If someone uh, uh, goes to the science fiction slide-up that appears at the home page, uh, there's a short story collection there, and that can be downloaded if they subscribe to my newsletter. Oh, yes. That's uh, uh, com, And I'll have a link to it on the website, too, if... And so, what do you like when you start writing? Do you like um, do you just work on one novel at the time, or do you like working on both of your science fiction and thrillers at the same time? No, I, I work on one book at a time. Although I might have up ideas sort of bubbling around, um, I might, for example, in the next week or so before I start Mark Five, I might uh, write out a couple of concept ideas so that I don't lose track of them. And then when I finish Mark 5, I'll come back to those and look to see if there's one that I want to uh, write out, or I might come up with another uh, concept. It's, it's a crazy uh, creative world. Yeah, it is. And when, you were, when you're actually writing a novel, like, um, what's, what's, the, what's your process like? I mean, do you, just, like, do you have like a word count goal that you shoot for every day? or When I... When I started um, you know, five years ago, I was very much like that. You know, I, I had four days a week, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, Friday. They were my writing days, and I treated it very much as a, uh, as a project and had to uh, achieve, you know, 2,000 words a day or something like that. And then a couple of years ago, I went back and did some more consulting in the finance industry for a year, and that sort of drew me out of that writing approach and so last year when I came back into it it was just head down and tail up and I released two books last year and did half of the book that I'm uh, getting edited at the moment so I did about two and a half books without that project discipline so at the moment I don't know what my uh, process is going to be I want to do plotting I want to do the use the dragon dictation approach, um, and that could give me a three to five thousand word a day output if I do it properly. But it means I've got to train myself to tell the dictation software to, where to put the commas and the dashes and the you know new lines and so forth. So it's going to be an experience. Yeah, that's interesting because you always hear that the dragon users always say you got to train your dragon, but yeah, you have to train yourself to train the dragon. <laughs> it's a two-way street. <laughs> yeah. uh, and um, and then yeah, and you also have to dedicate time for like the business part of it too, the uh, the marketing and all that and all that stuff. Uh, do you like dedicate time for that so it doesn't interfere with your writing? Or it's been a mix. Um, I started getting serious with two new books going out last year, I started getting serious about marketing um, 
probably in October, November. And it's taking, I suppose, 40 or 50% of my time to, um, to organize marketing, to, to work out promotions, to get newsletter subscribers, to write to them, uh, to write to them in newsletters and then reply to them when they reply to me. Um, it's, it is time consuming. Even designing the website last year, I didn't develop it, I designed it. Um, that was time consuming. Um, so it does eat into your time. And I, again, referring to Mark Dawson, uh, one of his comments is that he was asked by um, someone in an audience where he was presenting how much time did he devote to writing and how much to other things. And he said he spends half a day writing and a half a day uh, marketing and so forth. And the uh, lady who'd asked the question said, "Oh, so you're only a part-time writer?" <laughs> yeah, that's a that's an that, that's an interesting uh, way to look at that, I guess. But <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you produce two or three or four books a year. Yeah. <laughs> you're part-time. part-time. <laughs> and so, is it, what gets you uh, what gets you going to continue writing on your series? Is it? Uh, I mean. Obviously, it's like you're you're enjoying it, and, and you have your fans, uh, a growing fan base. Is that the keeps it keeps it going for you? Well, I, if I wasn't enjoying it, you know, my mantra has been: if you're not enjoying it, stop doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's even been with the IT consulting. You know, if you get on a project that's uh, totally, totally not what you uh, want to do, um, it's a nonsense to continue on if you're not enjoying it. So. Uh, You've got to be prepared to make that break. But writing has been sitting on my shoulder for years and years and years. It's something to, you know, it keeps nudging me saying, you've got to write, you've got to write. And uh, I've, I sat down the other day and wrote out the number of concepts that I've got, you know, ideas for books, ideas for series. And I got to nine. Wow. That, and I thought, okay, I'm going to be writing for the next 20 years. Um, <laughs> your, your, your retirement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so much for retirement. Um, I spend probably uh, a good eight to ten hours a day in both writing and doing the promotional work and so forth. There's no retirement here. <laughs> and do you work out of like, a, do you have like a special, like a, area in your house like a home office or something that you always work out of or do you like mix it up and go to a coffee shop um i'm not a coffee shop writer i mean i go to a coffee shop because i like coffee but, <laughs> but i can't sit there and and write uh, i haven't tried it so maybe i could um but if i'm going to use dragon there's no way oh yeah that would be impossible <laughs> yeah. yeah i've got a, a a study or an office whatever you want to call it that's on the the second floor it's got a view of the backyard and I can see um, probably 30 trees, pine trees. They're 40 foot high uh, with a hell of a lot of snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was just going to say that to the listeners. Is, a, is John's backyard is, I've seen the pictures, it's like the Sierra Mountains. It's beautiful. <laughs> with a lot of snow right now. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, I've had up to six feet. We've got a six-foot fence around the, the block, and it's been up to the top of the fence. It's now down to about three and a half feet, so it's melting. Oh, okay. Only, only three and a half feet. 
and uh, it's been a rough a rough winter here uh, in terms of the, the the need to do snow shoveling snow shoveling I've got a snow shoveler elbow oh yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah but, I remember those from my years in Minnesota but uh, you still that's a lot of more snow than we than we would get at one time <laughs> Well, they've had, uh, I think I mentioned that, they've had 60 feet of snow on the mountain resorts. Wow. So been a tremendous season. Yeah, that, after, all, after all those years of droughts in Northern California, at least the, the, those people must be happy, the, the ski resort people. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But it, it stops me walking. I like to walk in the, in the mountains, in the forest. You know, there's a, a forest area that got burnt out eight or ten years ago here and uh, it's re there's a lot of regrowth and um, it is just so nice to walk in um, and that's where I do my creative thinking is I go for a walk and uh, you know if I strike a, a block of any kind and think oh, I don't quite know where this should go I get up and go for a walk <laughs> and do you like take a like a notebook with you or do you like record uh, it if you get an idea when you're walking well, I'm going to take a recorder because I want to get this damn dragon thing sorted <laughs> out. But I don't take a notebook, but I'll be talking to myself into uh, a little recorder because uh, that's part of the of the um, the voice recording process to computer is to record to a file on you know little hand recorder and then transfer the file across to the computer and have it transcribed into a uh, a word document so that's going to be an interesting process is that going to be is that mark 5 that you're going to be using that yep. yeah yep. mark 5 is the starting point for that process yep. oh. we'll have to do a a, a follow up interview I'm curious to see how that works out for you with a dragon and dictating versus I mean there's still a lot of writing to be done because I'm, I'm imagine afterwards but it's oh, still, yeah. still it's an interesting process it's fascinating to me uh, and uh, so are you uh, so that's the next one that's what you're working on next uh, is uh, uh, Mark 5 yep Mark 5 okay when do you anticipate that coming out like in oh, go away go away <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a that's a loaded question <laughs> assume a three month cycle there you are um, it's going to depend on how long it takes to adapt to Dragon mm -hmm. and uh if I can get the productivity that Dragon promises, I don't mean Dragon the company, but you know the technique of dictating. Um, if I get that productivity, then I'll have a book off to an editor in two months' time. If I don't, it'll be three months' time. A, a busy year. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, I've got to I've got to write these books. Yeah. Right? yeah exactly. Yeah. It's sitting on my shoulder, beating me up. <laughs> write me, write me, write me. So do you do you still find you're so busy with the with the business and the writing? Do you still have, find time to read? Oh yes. Yeah. Um, I read science fiction and I read thrillers. Mm -hmm. um, one of my uh, favorites is Lee Child. I would uh, um, sit down and read a, a Lee Child book uh, any moment. And uh, looking at the bookcase behind me, which is predominantly science fiction for some reason. Uh, it's everything from Asimov to Weber, you know, with people like Modessa or uh, Cherith or whoever uh, in between. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I was find it interesting that yeah, reading is such an important part that almost everyone that I've interviewed, I always ask that question because I'm curious. That everyone's yeah, no one can give up the reading, even if it's just a little bit, you know, during the day. Everyone still reads. <laughs> yep. Yep. Now I I read a book. I read a, something from a book every day. It yeah. might be a science fiction book. It might be a, a how to do this book. It might be training your dragon book, or it might be uh, Lee Child or. Uh, Mark Dawson or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yep, I do the same thing too. I try to read this every day. Um, so, and so, how do you uh, interact with your readers? Are you active on Facebook and social media and all that good stuff? I'm, I'm not. I'm not that much of a Facebook operator in terms of communication with readers. I have a newsletter that I send out probably every three or four weeks and I get replies from readers as a result of, uh, of those and I I reply to the individual emails that come back so it's a uh, you know I get emails from people in uh, Adelaide in South Australia or in the Arctic Circle when I was complaining about having too much snow and it being too cold. So some were saying, hey, if you think it's cold, come here. And the others were saying, hey, it's midsummer, uh, almost a, you know, 105 degrees, why don't you come here? So, you know, there's a lot of uh, reader interaction. There was an email I got a couple of minutes ago before we started talking and it was basically saying, where is it? I enjoyed the Mark One book. Thank you for introducing me to your series. Yeah. So, you know, when you get emails like that, it uh, helps the motivation part. You know? Yeah, it's just amazing that uh, yeah, the people reaching out and, and and that they liked your work so much that they reached out to you. That's the, that's the coolest feeling in the world, it is. really. It, is. it certainly is. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, sometimes it's like you're writing in a vacuum, like, oh, is anybody even reading this? And then when you get that, it's like, all right, one person. <laughs> Well, I think a lot of writers, I can't say all writers, but I think a lot of writers, you know, because they're writing in that vacuum, they finish something and they start to worry, is it any good? Mm -hmm. You know, will that work? Uh, Will someone be interested in reading that? And uh, I did a promotion uh, at the end of January and had almost, uh, what, 67,000 copies of Mark One downloaded. So, you know, people like the idea. They like the uh, how it presents, and hopefully uh, they're enjoying reading it. Yeah, that's just amazing. That's just a co- blows my mind. 67,000. I mean, you have over, almost 70,000 people put, had downloaded your book. I mean, that's just amazing. That's like, yep. that's like the population of a, of a town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of a small town. But that's, of a small town. Yeah. Well, I was brought up in a town of 25,000, so, you know. Wow, so double your, t- your hometown. <laughs> More than double. double. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, wow, that's incredible. That's it. Uh, amazing. Um, okay, well, John, I'm not going to take too much more of your time here, uh, but is there anything else you'd like to tell uh, um, our listeners about uh, uh, about writing or about your book series or anything? I suppose the only thing is to, to make a request, and I think every author has this request somewhere in their mind. When you read one of my books, if you like it, if you enjoy it, put a review on Amazon or Apple or wherever you bought the book. Even if you didn't like it, put a review there as well. It helps the author to understand what the readers are looking for and what they're enjoying. 
Okay, John. Well, thanks uh, so much for uh, joining us uh, on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you for uh, for asking me to be uh, one of your interview uh, people. Rest in peace, John.